following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Jesus paid it all. We glorify the name of Jesus because he paid it all. Glory to his name. Welcome, beautiful pilgrims. We're on our way from this world to the celestial city of God. Are you conscious of the journey? Are you aware that that's what we're doing? This is not a casual journey. Right now in America, we're going through the valley of the shadow of death. Everything is threatened. Persecution will be coming on the church. But we're going through. We are going through with shouts of glory to Jesus. We will not back down. We will not stop. We are on our way, and we are making progress. And I thank God each day for you who listen to this broadcast and encourage me. Thank you for those of you who so generously help me on the journey. I don't have one life and then and then separate from that life I have ministry. My life is ministry. All I care about is successfully making the journey from this world to the next. It has absorbed my my interest, my passion, my cry. It's for Jesus. It's what I love. It's who I love. Now, I have to confess, this morning as I was before the Lord, tears began to flow down my face. Tears of sadness and heartbrokenness. Tears of sadness for those who in the hardness of their heart turn aside and don't follow Jesus. Those who walk away. Do you understand that in the heart of man, in the heart of woman, there is either a continual drawing closer to Jesus and a more intense desire for the celestial city, for the presence of God, or there is a continual drawing of our heart toward darkness, toward destruction, toward evil. Until finally, when some people are old, they are utterly given over to evil. And others are totally given over to Jesus with hearts soft and pliable. All my life, I've heard the call of God. All my life, in spite of many mistakes, I have said, yes, Lord, you are the one I desire. 
Now, yesterday we spoke about knowing the time when Jesus comes to us, knowing the time of God, and how vital it is to recognize the coming of God in your life. And responding to that, some of you would like to stay in that in-between place where you hear the call of God and you're hungry for him, but you also hear the call of the devil. And so one day you're with the devil and the next day you're going after Jesus and then you're back with the devil. Stop it. Die out. Be crucified with Christ. Make the decision. You will come with us on this journey as a pilgrim follower of Jesus Christ, that your home is heaven. This requires a very firm commitment in your heart. I will belong to Jesus. Satan, I won't listen to you anymore. I won't listen to your temptations. I scorn you. I am on my way. The sword of the Spirit is in my hand. If you come close, I'll pierce you with it. I love what two of my brothers have said. When the devil comes to them, they pull out the scriptures and teach the devil something from the word of God, and he quickly leaves. (laughs) Do you understand? I want to talk to you today about a very serious issue. And that is this issue of knowing what will bring you peace. There are many claims in the world that if you will just follow this or that, your heart will be filled with peace. If you get that new truck, your heart will be filled with peace. If you get this camping gear, your heart will be contented. If you you go on this trip... You will be at peace in your heart. If you buy that new house, if you find a wife or husband, if you get that job, your heart will be at peace. No, it won't. No, it won't. The human heart has a hole the size of a semi truck. And you can stuff everything in that you want to stuff, all the things of the world, the flesh and the devil, and there will still be a hole you could drive a semi-truck through in your heart. There will be no peace. Now, in the book of Luke, yesterday we were talking about the 19th chapter, Zacchaeus. When Jesus walks out of the city and he comes to Jerusalem, And he's telling them another parable. But then he comes to Jerusalem. Now, as he approaches, he tells his disciples to go get a donkey, a colt that has never been ridden. He tells them where it is. They go. They get the donkey, the colt. They bring it back, and Jesus rides it toward Jerusalem. And everybody goes absolutely crazy because they know that this is the sign, the symbol of a king coming to his coronation. And so they begin to shout praise and worship. 
Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They're excited. And the Pharisees, they say, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Don't let them say these things. And he says, Look, if I if I tell them to keep quiet, the stones will begin to shout my praise. But then as he came to Jerusalem, and he's sitting on that hill overlooking the city, and I've been to that hill, as he's overlooking the city, as he's coming down out of the mountain, a strange thing begins to happen. Jesus begins to weep, not just quietly, but out loud, loud wailing, a man with an utterly broken heart, highly upset, tears and sobs. I'm sure everyone looked at him and said, what's wrong, Jesus? And finally, when he can contain himself. He speaks these words. This is Luke, the 19th chapter, verse 41. If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes, the day will come when your enemies will build an encampment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Please hear me. God will not always come to you. The day will come when God will no longer be coming to you. If you have not made your peace with him, the day will come when the Lord will say, let the, let the righteous be righteous and let the evil and the unclean be unclean. There will come a dividing time. Now, do you understand what Jesus is saying here? He is saying, look, you didn't recognize me as your Messiah. You have rejected me, and now I'm going to be crucified by you. You have utterly rejected God. And because you have rejected me, Jesus is being very specific. Because you did not recognize I came to you, I am God, I came to you, and you rejected me. And because you have rejected me, this great tragedy is going to come upon Jerusalem. A.D. 70. The army of Titus surrounded the city of Jerusalem. And they did to Jerusalem exactly what is described here. Sometime when you scholars want something interesting to read and tragic, read Josephus' description 
of the fall of Jerusalem. And you will discover that it wasn't just Titus who killed the Jews. The Jews were divided among themselves with armed men killing one another in Jerusalem while Titus was coming against the city. They were not united. How could they be united? They have crucified God. They have killed their Savior. They have destroyed all hope. So Titus came. Now hear the warning in this. Jesus is coming to you right now. He's asking you to walk in peace with him. He's asking you to turn aside from all of your false gods. He's asking you to leave behind all of those things that comfort you. You I'm, I'm trying to talk about this, and I feel like I can't get at the essence of it. So I'll simply say this to you. It's not easy to turn your back on all that you treasure in this world. But that is exactly what we must do. We turn our back on success. We no longer strive for it. We turn our back on anything that would set itself up against Jesus. Anything that would detract from Jesus, we we cut it off. We cut off the world's entertainment. We cut off the hours wasted before, perhaps not even something wicked, but just something that distracts us from the kingdom of God and causes us as pilgrims to slow our journey toward the celestial city. Perfect peace comes only from Jesus. Perfect peace comes only from Jesus. It does not come from a husband or a wife. It does not come from friends. It does not come by accomplishments. It doesn't come from money. Perfect peace only comes when we allow God to search our hearts and we choose deliberately to turn aside from all that would distract us from the journey, the journey to the celestial city is everything to a Christian. That's what it's all about. This journey absorbs all that we have. When we see a brother or a sister in need, we pour out our heart for them. We don't judge them. We don't criticize them. We love them. Love covers over many sins. 
You see, we're not an we're not a journey people who leave our injured behind. We're not a a people on pilgrimage who cast others aside thoughtlessly. Now, people will leave. They'll walk away from the journey. I know that. I don't like it, but I know it. That's going to happen. And and I've shed many tears over that. I've shed many tears over that. There's a part of me that just wants to go and travel and camp out in beautiful places and see see beautiful mountains. I miss the mountains. I was born in Denver, Colorado. I miss the mountains. I miss the mountain lakes. I miss fishing for trout. I love to fish for trout in the mountains, in the mountain lakes and the streams. But there's something I love more. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And I love his people. I love you. And I want you to make this journey with me. I want you to understand this journey has a destination. And we will arrive there. And when we arrive there, there will be time then to look at the beautiful creation of God. Now, what I want you to hear very clearly in your heart is that you need to recognize what will bring you peace now and not turn aside from Jesus, not be distracted from Jesus. Not put your hope in anyone or anything except Jesus. He's everything to me. He needs to be everything to you. We don't join the pilgrimage on Sunday or Saturday. And the rest of the week we go about our earthly journey. No, this is a full-time journey. And the full-time journey may lead you to different places where you work. It may take you on different assignments, but it's the same journey. It's the journey with Jesus and his people toward the kingdom of God, toward the celestial city. There are some people that I would like to travel with more than others. But you know what? I don't get to choose who I travel with. I'm a part of a of a band of people traveling toward the celestial city. And those who join are welcome, and those who join somewhere else in the name of Jesus and walk faithful are welcome. But Jesus absorbs my heart. He heads 
He holds my interest. He holds my concern. He holds my passion. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Now I want to I want to go back for a moment. In the beginning of Luke 19, yesterday we spoke about this amazing thing that Jesus did where he spoke to Zacchaeus and said, come down, I've got to go to your house today. And he went and ate at Zacchaeus' house. He was criticized. Oh, he's he's going to the house of a sinner. Jesus loves to come to the house of a sinner and turn them into a saint and call them on the journey. Now, this so stuck in Jesus' heart that he uses the same example, the same method all over again. It's found in the book of Revelation. It's found in the third chapter in the message to the church at Laodicea. He says, verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. Literally, I rebuke and I scourge. I whip, I give him a whipping. If you don't like corporate punishment, you're not going to like Jesus because he believes in corporate punishment. And the scriptures say in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, that if he considers you a son or a daughter, he will discipline you. And Jesus now, the risen Lord, says, those whom I love, those whom I agape, those whom I pour out my heart for, I rebuke. And I discipline. So be earnest. Be passionate. Be full on with repentance. Repentance is not just turning away from sin. It's also turning to God. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door. It's actually in the in the past tense. I have stood at the door. Jesus has been standing now for some time at the heart door of every person on the earth. He's been standing at your heart door. And he's been knocking. And he says, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, in the Greek, it's and may open the door. And may open the door, not and can open the door. This is not a question of ability to do something. This is a question of choice. Will you choose 
to open the door of your heart that Jesus Christ could come in like he did with Zacchaeus and sit down and eat? Will you go out on a limb and choose to hear the knocking of Jesus at your heart's door? I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Just like he did with Zacchaeus. Jesus wants to come in to your life and fellowship with you. He wants to eat with you. But, you know, there have been times in my life when someone has come to my door and I'm in the shower, and I can't even, the bathroom door's closed. I don't even hear the doorbell ring. I'm absorbed in my shower. People have said, Pastor, we came by and knocked on your door, but you didn't answer. What time? Well, I was home then. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Or sometimes... I like to play loud music. And the volume of the music will block out everything and everybody. I'll have a pair of headphones on. And I'm listening. My attention is given 100% to that piece of music. Well, the same thing happens with Jesus. He comes and knocks. We don't even hear him. Why? Because we're sitting in front of a television set. Jesus says over and over in the scriptures, watch, watch, watch. In other words, pay attention, listen, look. When Jesus comes and he knocks on your heart door, is your heart so full of the world, the flesh, the devil, yourself, that you can't even hear him knocking? You have an agenda. You have goals to meet. You have to-do list. You have a bucket list. You don't have time to hear God. Have you sat before him this morning? Have you prayed? Have you listened? Did God come? Did he knock on your door? Don't tell me, I don't know. I couldn't hear. Well, if you can't hear, it's because you chose not to hear, because you chose to be listening to the world. And to be honest with you, when you turn the world off, it'll take a little time before the sensitivity of your ears can hear the voice of God speaking to you. Now, sometimes he comes like he did to Saul of Tarsus. The light flashes, the lightning is there, you're knocked off your horse, you hear a voice speaking. That's very rare. That's very rare. 
Usually Jesus comes to us in a still, small voice like he did to Elijah in that mountain cave. He's not in the fire. He's not in the wind. He's not in the tornado. He's in the still, small voice. And he calls after us. But if in the loneliness of your heart, you are gluttonous, filling that empty hole with ice cream and sugar, unhealthy things. If you're, if you're about making money, if you're about taking care of my responsibilities, you won't hear the voice of God. I've watched as some people have have followed the Lord for quite some time and then suddenly something comes into their heart and their mind and they say, I've got to. I've got to do this. Off they go to do it. And they're totally lost. They miss God. They don't hear his voice. They're not where they need to be to get the information God wants to give them. And they miss the voice of God because they're listening, but not to Jesus. And they're led astray. It takes time to hear Jesus. It takes time to become holy. There must be a a cutting off in our hearts of those things that cause us to be unresponsive to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit. Now I tell you, this is not an easy process. I sometimes think if I don't gain relief, I'm going to die. I've got to get out of here. I'm going to go crazy. I've got to go. Just, I've got to go. Now be still and know that I am God. Give him everything. And your heart will find peace. Jesus says in this Revelation passage, be earnest and repent. In other words, be very serious about turning to Jesus. Be very serious. Be very serious. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Not maybe I'll come in. If you hear him knocking, he will come in. If you open the door for him, and he will eat with you, and you recognize that when in that culture that Jesus is speaking out of, when you sit down and eat with someone, you can't be their enemy. You're their friend. And the word shalom is spoken, which means all provision and all blessing is given. 
Jesus doesn't come in and eat your food and steal from you. He comes in and brings abundant blessing, provision. In verse 21, to him who overcomes. Overcomes has in its very meaning resistance. Dissidents, fighting. It has in its very meaning that I must do battle. To him who overcomes, to him who is willing to deal honestly with his carnal nature, and cast it off and purify himself in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, who's willing to cut off that that emptiness that drives us to wickedness, that drives us to just veg out, to be unconscious, Some of you have asked me about the the picture that I am sitting in front of, these beautiful trees, this peaceful scene. But I did not choose it because it was a peaceful scene. It is actually a, a photograph put on canvas. But do you notice in this picture, can you see this? Those of you who are on YouTube, let me describe it for those of you who are not on YouTube. It's a road, a small dirt road that cuts through the meadow. I bought this picture because it's the narrow road. It's not easily discerned. But it's what we're called to walk. And as we give ourselves totally to walk this narrow path, we don't walk it alone. It says, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. That's present tense. That's Ephesians, where Paul says we can be raised up and seated with Christ in heavenly places, filled with the Spirit of the living God, no longer a prisoner of sin, set free. Set free of sin. It's all through the Scriptures. I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, now, present tense, Just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, what did Jesus have to overcome? Well, he did not want to die on Calvary. You say, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, he sweat blood. Why? He sweat blood because he did not want to be separated from his father. He did not want to die on that cross. 
and he begged his father three times at least. Isn't there some other way we can do this? He sweat blood. He did not want to die for us. He wanted another way, but there was no other way. There must be a blood atonement made for us. And Jesus overcame the the dread of being separated from his father. He gave up the dread of death, and he gained victory over death. And he cast the devil down. Jesus had to overcome just as you and I must overcome, not overcome sin. Jesus did not sin. He could not even be tempted to sin. God can't be tempted, the scriptures say. But oh, he did not want to be separated from his father and he did not want to die. He did not want to go into that tomb. And I stood. I stood in that tomb by myself when I was in Jerusalem. It stunk of death. I looked. At first there were tears coming down my face. But as I looked, a shout rose up in my heart. He has risen. He has risen. I shouted it out at the top of my lungs. He is risen. He is risen. That's the promise that you and I can rise to. But we must overcome. And the battle is on with the world, the flesh, and the devil. The battle is on with our own hearts. Will we give ourselves entirely to Jesus? Will we give up those things that we imagine will comfort our hearts, but don't? Will we do battle in the spirit with the powers of darkness that come to deceive and to steal and to murder us? He has an ear. Let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Can I put that another way? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the pilgrims, to the saints of God, to those who have left their sin, to those who are walking in victory in the name of Jesus. Do you know what will bring you peace today? Do you know Jesus? I'm not talking about intellectual knowledge. In one of the churches, I'll read this to you. I just prayed through this this morning. 
to the church at Ephesus. Verse 4, you have forgotten your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Verse 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Every one of the seven churches is told the same thing. You must overcome. You must do battle with the powers of darkness. You must do battles with your own heart. And don't let your heart deceive you. It is deceptive and evil beyond anything you can imagine. You have to have a new heart in Jesus. That's part of what happens when you're born again. There is no way into the heavenly kingdom of God without a battle to overcome. Remember, Pilgrim was walking on that narrow path. He was new to the journey. And he came to the house of the Holy Spirit. And in the house of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit showed him this grand castle and showed him people, men, coming, who said they wanted to go into the castle. They had to come to a table and give their name, and then they were welcome to enter into the castle. And Pilgrim watched as man after man tried to enter that castle, but could not because there were armed men outside who would drive them back with swords. But one man came to the table and he said, I will enter the kingdom of God. Okay, give me your name. His name was written in the book. And he went up against those armed men with his sword drawn and with his shield on his arm. And he fought his way through them, receiving cuts, receiving wounds. And then he was welcomed into that castle with great shouts of joy. You will not enter that kingdom of God. You will not enter the celestial city without wounds, without cuts from the enemy, even from your brothers and sisters. You will not enter that without a fight. And it's in the overcoming that the peace of God comes into our hearts. Are you willing to fight for the kingdom of God? Are you willing to listen as the, as the Lord knocks on your door? Are you willing to say, yes, Lord, come in and eat with me? Do you know what will bring you peace? Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm so glad you've been with me. Thank you.
And I, I welcome Alicia. I saw that you were communicating on the, on the live chat. Welcome, dear sister. And I welcome everyone else on YouTube who has, who has been chatting live. I encourage all of you who listen via radio, if you can, go to the YouTube channel. It's up and people are talking and encouraging and speaking with one another. <laughs> Just so you all know, there is a live YouTube stream that will be up tonight. Brother Ed will post it. And then I'm also live on WAVA AM at 780 AM. And you can listen on the radio uh, live by going to WAVA AM and the listen button. Or you can come to YouTube. And it will also be a podcast that will be posted. I encourage you, if you're on YouTube, please would you subscribe to our channel? We need to cross that 500 mark. So would you would you kindly hit that subscribe button? I don't know that there's a like button there. I haven't I haven't looked at that, but if there is, click that too. It helps us be spread more widely. It's a wonderful gift to my heart to see your response day by day to receive the tithes and offerings that you send because this is entirely a faith ministry. I have no means to cover the cost. I'm not on salary. This is a faith ministry. You can donate by going to our our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and clicking in the upper right-hand corner, and you can give online. Or you can write to me. And I'm very encouraged by the letters. I'd like to read a few of those, but I'll do that later. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And I wonder, some of you have given very generously and then you disappear. Where are you? Are you still on pilgrimage? Are you still being faithful to Jesus? Let me hear how you are. Don't be a stranger. I pray for you. I pray God's blessing for you. I'd love to meet you all in person. I pray that one day soon I can do that. God bless you today. Be encouraged. The journey is a difficult one, but worthwhile in every respect. We must be overcomers and walk in the peace of God. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. His glory.